Frog Gaming Podcast. You're joined by your keeper tonight, Thomas Mannery, and our victim, sorry, our investigator for the evening, Josh Hartley. Hello. Hello, (laughs) (laughs) So, as promised. That was spooky. Right? I'm a scare. (laughs) I'm, I'm a scare. As promised, tonight we will be playing the new Chaosium uh, solo adventure, Alone Against the Tide. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh and I have had a quick catch-up beforehand, and Josh has made his character. Now, when you're playing this on your own, uh, it does actually talk you through making your character as it goes, but in the interest of you not listening to me and Josh talk numbers, we skipped that. Uh, so, Josh, would you like to tell us about your investigator for tonight's session? Yes, uh, Tom, tonight I will be playing the part of Professor Holcomb Fernley Whittingstall, who some lis- eager, like keen-eared listeners might recognise that name. He is, in actual fact, the character that I play in uh, our regular Call of Cthulhu campaign. He is um, indeed. My headcanon is that this is either an earlier adventure of his before he met up with the rest of the gang, or if it goes horribly wrong... It was all a dream. <laughs> okay, so without further ado and further consequence, we're going to dive into Alone Against the Tide. <laughs> the sun sinks low on the horizon as you board the ferry headed across the lake to Esbury. As you set foot on the boat, the ferryman greets you with a wide smile and a cheery wave. He stands by the gangplank as you pass, welcoming the other passengers as he removes his cap to scratch at his balding head. His pudgy figure fills his well-worn suit. He looks a little awkward, but he seems rather a pleasant sort. Leaving the man behind you, you take a seat towards the prow, your eyes fixed on your destination. You settle into a seat with your thin briefcase resting on your lap, noticing that the rest of the passengers are likewise getting comfortable for the short trip across the lake. Glancing around, you catch sight of the ferryman entering the cabin. As you sit patiently and wait for the engine to come to life, you listen to the sounds of idle chatter around you. You look out across the water and notice a thin fog beginning to form over the surface of the water as the temperature drops with the approach of night. After a few minutes, you hear the engine sputter into action and the ferry lurch forward. The conversations around you continue as the ferryman joins you all on deck. You can't help overhearing most of the talk, though it's surprisingly banal. It's a good word. There are also there are almost a dozen passengers on the ferry. Most of them are simply looking to spend their money during their weekend in Esbury and to enjoy the various shops and leisure activities the lakeside town has to offer. Many of the passengers seem to come from money, as is common in Esbury. You notice a strange look from one of the women in the group. She has a full figure and brown hair and eyes, and she seems to be looking you over, admiring your features. 
So it's at this point, if we were running this verbatim, that you would generate your stats. Okay. But in our very Blue Peter-esque fashion, we already prepared that earlier. Here's Yen we did earlier. So we move on to the next bit. The woman clearly sees something in you that she likes. Perhaps it's the looks or a glint of intelligence in your eyes. She gives you a sly wink before turning back to her companions. You likewise turn your attention to the rest of the passengers. Sitting apart from the general crowd are two men in dark, well-tailored suits, whispering quietly to each other. They have unamused expressions on their faces, as if they don't seem pleased to be here. Perhaps they're on business. Noticing that you're sitting alone, the ferryman approaches you and stands over you with his characteristic smile. You notice he's missing a tooth in the upper left corner of his mouth. His eyes are bright as they light upon you. Good afternoon. You look a bit lonely there, friend. What brings you to Esbury? And it's at this point that you would determine your career, which again, we have done beforehand. Now, interestingly, depending on what career you've chosen, it takes you to a different page. So perhaps it's going to have some impact. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the bit in the Choose Your Own Adventure book where, like, as described in last week, it's like a... Go to page 27. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, you chose professor. You die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't go into academia. You mentioned the passing of a distant colleague in Esbury and how you've been sent by Miskatonic to recover his work and bring it back to the university. The man sighs and nods slowly. Ah, you mean Professor Harris. Real shame what happened to him. Always seemed like such a nice man. Officer Powell says they're still cleaning up the mess at the professor's place, but some of the more valuable bits will probably be at the estate sale tonight, if you're really wanting at it. The man looks down at his hands for a moment, and then back as he extends one your way. Anyway, I'm Lance, Lance Sanford. Pleased to meet you, but I wish it were under better circumstances. So, Josh, you now have your first choice. Ooh. Do you wish to inquire about Professor Harris? Inquire about Officer Powell? Ask Lance Sanford about himself? Ask about the estate sale? Or pass the time waiting to arrive in Esbury? Oh, wow, it's like an old-school video game. Uh, I want to make further inquiries about Professor Harris, please. Professor Harris. The ferryman raises a questioning eyebrow at you. Professor Harris? I can't really say much. I didn't know him all that well, but he seemed like a nice guy. I was sad to hear that he died. You gently press for more information about his death. Samford frowns, but answers, Officer Powell says it's suicide. I'm inclined to believe him, but Professor Harris seemed happy enough to me, more than content to relax in Esbury like anyone else. In between his studies, of course. Ancient Indian history, I think it was. I had a coffee with the professor a few weeks ago, and he talked my ear off about it. I couldn't understand half of what he said, but he was quite excited by whatever it was. You exchange a few more pleasantries with Sanford before he goes off to finish guiding the boat into port. You pass the time in casual conversation with the other passengers and observing the scenery. You note the tall pines and sloping hills along the lakeshore around Esbury. These features, and the small town beyond, are just visible through the growing mist, but squinting helps you make them out to your satisfaction. In time... You arrive in the pier at Esbury, grateful to be off the water. 
You take your first steps onto the pier with the rest of the ferry passengers, trying to get your land legs once again. The passengers still chat casually as they walk off to their destinations. You note one last little flirty wink from the full-figured woman as she struts along confidently behind the women accompanying her, and you feel the two dark-suited men push past you at a brisk pace, nudging you out of their way. Sanford gives you one last wave and a smile as he begins tending to the old rust-stained boat that is his pride and joy. The last light of the sun is fading fast, and the fog is growing thick across the water now. The night is still young, but you would rather not be wandering around in the dark and fog of a town you're unfamiliar with. Taking in your surroundings, you see a sizable crowd jockeying for entrance into a lavish, modern-looking building along the lakeside. A folding sign sits out front, illuminated by a lantern. The words, Estate Sale Tonight, are written in large, bold letters. While it seems to be the main attraction, you could also seek out somewhere to stay for the night and set about your work in the morning. So at this point, you will calculate your secondary attributes, which again, we've already done. Mm-hmm. So, do you wish to visit the estate sale, or do you wish to go and find somewhere to stay for the night? Uh, I, I want to find somewhere to stay first of all. Hopefully that won't take us too long and we can get to the estate sale where I can splash my cash. Yeah. <laughs> all right. While the estate sale seems interesting, you would feel more secure with a roof over your head for the night. Mm-hmm. You pull someone out of the crowd and inquire as to where you can find a room to rent. You've, you're directed a few blocks into town to a modestly priced hotel a few buildings down from Esbury's police station. As you enter in from the cool night air, you're greeted by the heat of a roaring fire. The small front room feels stuffy and cramped. The bulk of the space is dominated by the large service counter, behind which sits a wiry wisp, a wiry-looking wisp of a woman. She turns her wide eyes to you and asks your name, then quotes you a price that's more than fair. With the transaction oh, wow. complete, <laughs> you haul your thin briefcase up the stairs, unpack it, and settle into your room for the night. You wake in the morning, grateful for the rest. You rise from your bed and take in the modest surroundings that make up your room. The furnishings are sparse, a poor quality dresser, and a cramped and dusty writing desk tucked in the corner. Sitting atop the desk is a plate of eggs and toast, apparently left for you by the hotel's owner. The walls are plain and unadorned, save for a single window that faces towards the lake. However, this view is currently blocked by the incredibly thick fog, which has taken on a pale greenish hue. Your vision is obscured entirely. You cannot see into the depths of that outlandish green mist. You also notice your personal belongings placed around the room, exactly as you left them the night before. Well, that's reassuring. <laughs> Although I'm a bit, I'm a bit freaked. Out. Like I don't know, was this normal back in the day? But like uh, the the um, the hotel staff have just came into my room and left my breakfast while I was sleeping. It's a very that, intimate hotel. <laughs> that that seems uh, that seems a bit weird. Um, probably not as weird as like the pea green fog. But no, you know, swings fog, and fog never fog never signifies anything in like horror, the horror genre. Not at all. So. After getting dressed and eating the modest breakfast set out for you, you're ready to begin your day. You take a moment to consider what that means to you. Your mind turns to Professor Harris. If you're so inclined, 
you might be able to investigate the circumstances of his death further. Considering that you don't have his widow Amelia's address, you would have had to start your search with the official report filed with Officer Powell at the police station. Alternatively, you could take this free time to look through your belongings and examine any items you might have. The hotel owner has been in your room, so a check of your things might be in order. Or perhaps you you have some other reason to look over your possessions. Finally, if you feel your business in Esbury is concluded, you can always try and find Lance Sanford at the ferry. Wow, okay, yeah. Done right, here. <laughs> cool, yeah, we're, we're, we're good, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, to be fair, like, us knowing that this is a horror story, that's the smart decision, right? You would <laughs> think so. Um, however, uh, I'm here, I've, I've, I've got a job to do, I need to um, collect these possessions of Esbury, so I guess I'm looking further into his uh, demise. So you're going to the police station? Yeah. Okay. You step out into the greenish mist. You feel it clinging tightly to you as you make your way the short distance to the police station. Upon entering the small brick building, you're struck with an immediate sense of claustrophobia. The walls here are uncomfortably close together and the space is tight. Crammed into the tiny structure are a large desk, several filing cabinets and a few chairs. A closet-sized holding cell with iron bars sits at the rear of the room. Behind the large desk is Officer Powell, smoking a cigar with his feet propped on the table. His coat... I like this guy already. His coat is unbuttoned, and his hat lies on top of a stack of papers next to a battered old revolver. He opens one eye and frowns at you, sighing through his cigar as he straightens himself up to make himself look presentable. If you're bothering me right now, I'm going to assume this is important. You mentioned that you would like to see the police report for Professor William Harris's death, to which he replies with a snort, You have no business dealing with that, and even if you did, this is my jurisdiction. Shove off and leave me in peace. He doesn't seem cooperative, but perhaps you could convince him that you have some special circumstance that warrants you looking through his files. So, Josh, I need your first check of this evening. Oh, first dice roll! I need you to make me a fast talk roll to try and talk your way past this police officer. Oh, yeah. So what do you have in fast talk? 5%? 5. Okay. So roll those D percentile for me and let me see what you get. Awful. 46. 46. (laughs) Do you want to spend 41 points of luck to make that a pass? I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right. Okay. So we're going to move to... uh, You failed the roll, so we go to a different section for the failure. You die. <laughs> no. <laughs> you try to convince the officer that you have a particularly good reason for needing access to the files, but he simply doesn't care. Scram, stranger. You're ruining my smoke. If you want to dig at the dead guy, go bother his widow. Her place is over on the north side of town, right next to the church. God damn well miss it. officer. <laughs> go, go pester this poor woman who's in mourning. And while you're at it, bring me more pictures of Spider-Man. So Officer Powell will be no more help to you at this time. Do you wish to go to the Harris household or return to the hotel? I will go to the Harris Harris household, please. Okay. You walk into town towards the Harris address. Even knowing the location, it's difficult for you to find your way due to your unfamiliarity with the town and the density of this peculiar green mist. 
I'm sure this isn't a smoking gun at all. No, 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 Chekhov's gun. That's the word I'm looking for. Chekhov's gun, yeah. Uh, as a result, it's some time before you arrive at the Harris house. As you approach the building, a man steps out of the fog, blocking your path. He is young and thin, with rather angular features and a faint hint of a moustache atop his lip. He's dressed in a dark suit and stares at you from beneath a flat, flat cap. You're an unwelcome surprise. I don't even know what you're looking for, but you won't find it here. Your eyes betray you as you glance at the Harris house. The man scowls visibly. Why don't you leave the poor widow alone, you creep? If you want to bother her, you're going to have to go through old Joshua here. Capiche? His oh, hand, so this guy's called Joshua. He is. His hand Flip brushes it. beneath his coat as if searching for something. But then he stops himself. He pauses for a moment, looking you over once more before spitting on the ground at your feet and turning away. So, do you wish to call out to Joshua? Make your way into the Harris house or heed his warning and return to the hotel? I'm getting a lot of prompts to return to the hotel. However, uh, I'm going to call out to him. Call out to Joshua. Mm -hmm. There can be only one! Yes. Uh, (laughs) Mortal Kombat! (laughs) You call out to Joshua to explain himself, half expecting that he will simply brush you off. Surprisingly, he turns in your direction and steps towards you. As Joshua moves closer, you can once again make out his features despite the fog. You can see now that he is visibly red in the face and his eyes are bloodshot. He is clearly livid. His hand darts beneath his coat and re-emerges holding a Colt M19 one one, which he points directly at you while speaking in an agitated manner. What the hell is your problem? I threaten you and you come back for more? Do you have a death wish? Leave Amelia alone. I've been about this for far too long for you to wander into town and ruin it for me. He shoves you back and levels the gun at your face, looking you dead in the eyes with sweat across his brow. He grits his teeth, panting and huffing for a second before holstering the gun and bracing himself against a nearby building. Get the hell out of my sight. If I have to look at that goddamn face of yours for one more second, I'll put another hole in it. You see no reason to further provoke Joshua, and you hurriedly leave him where he is. Do you press on to the Harris house, or return to the hotel? (laughs) What a rude guy. It's these Joshuas, man. I'm Josh. Don't, well, no, strictly speaking, I am Joshua, but I hate being called Joshua. Why did I tell you that? Um, <laughs> so I can call you Joshua almost exclusively going forward. No, please don't. Uh, um, I'm here. For, I've, I've got a job to do. I'm, I'm going to speak to uh, go to the Harris house and speak to the professor's widow. Okay. Despite Joshua's urgence, you feel compelled to speak to Amelia yourself. You approach the front of the house and take note of your surroundings. The house's exterior hints at wealth of the occupants, but then again, so do most places in town. Directly across the residence from the residence is a small church whose religious iconography seems to have inspired the the Harrises in the design of their own home. A bronze cross hangs over the front door, and decorative columns line the outside walls of the two-story house. All in all, the architectural style is somewhat Baroque, complete with a pair of carved angels lounging beneath the eaves that are just visible through the strange haze. 
you knock on the door and wait in the mist for a few moments, hoping for someone to hear you. Eventually, much to your relief, the widow Amelia answers the door. She's wearing a bright red dress, which accents her deep crimson lipstick. She appears to have taken great care of her appearance. She flashes you a smile and invites you inside the house. It opens into a large foyer, and you see various crates and bundles stacked high along the walls. Just selling off a few of the more common things. Mind the mess, the porter hasn't come for it yet. She takes you by the hand to lead you past the stacks of items, helping you to pick your way through the deceased Professor Harris's assembled? assembled possessions. She takes you into a small drawing room full of antique furniture and offers you some coffee. After settling in and exchanging a few well-mannered pleasantries, you ask him more detail about the late Professor Harris. Amelia sighs theatrically and looks down at her hands. <sighs> I can't imagine what you want to ask about William. I found him in his study with the gun still in his mouth. What more could you want to know? Can you make for me, Josh, a psychology role? Oh, I did put uh, extra points into this one. I'm still going to fail it. What did you roll? A 70. Against what? Against 50. Oh, buddy. Sure you don't want to spend those 20 luck points to pass? I've got 70 luck points. I rolled, listeners, I rolled really lucky on luck. You did? Um, You got lucky on luck. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. You spent 20 yeah. luck points to pass this psychology. Don't make it sound like that's a stupid thing to do. I, I, want, I want to know. I want to know. Uh, okay. <laughs> you don't know why you hadn't realized it before. Selling all of his things, adopting such a flirty demeanor, dismissing questions about her husband's death. Amelia doesn't seem too broken up about her husband's passing. She's hiding something. I don't know why I needed to pass a psychology role to ascertain that. <laughs> she's hiding something. You'd bet your career on it. You suspect she's involved in Professor Harris's death in some form or another. You open your mouth, prepared to call her, bruf, her, buff, her bluff and press her for more information. But you are interrupted by a loud knock at the door. Oh, yeah. Amelia jumps up, startled and stands there for a moment in confusion as the pounding on the door resumes. Police! I'm just, I, I just want to point out, it, it, it doesn't sound that loud on the microphone. Shush, Josh! <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin this for me. Police, open the door! Amelia's face drains white as she goes to answer the knock. Your gut tells you something is wrong here. You feel uneasy about the officer at the door. What are you laughing at? Some, your gut tells you something's not right here. Damn right nothing's right here. There's a dead guy and the police are pounding on the door. Like, you feel uneasy about the officer at the door. You tell yourself you're being irrational and on edge. But you have had some trouble fighting that feeling. You have a few precious moments to react. Do you ignore your instincts and wait? Or take this chance to hide and make a stealth roll. Oh. Do you know what? For the the sake of uh, 
of comedy, we're going to attempt to stealth roll. <laughs> you kind of get behind a curtain. <laughs> yeah. Put okay. a lamp shade on my head. <laughs> <laughs> Make a so stealth I've a, roll. I've got to roll 40 for this. Okay. Ooh, 11. 11, nice. That's a, that's a hard success on that. Yeah, it is. Okay. So if you succeed, go to this page. Okay, okay. Because this is a, an old choose-your-own-adventure style um, module, if you will, uh, what's happening is each time Joss is making a decision, I'm having to go to the page number or the, the entry number, in this case, mm-hmm. that refers to his decision for people listening who have never done one of these. And if you haven't, shame on you. Uh, so, right. your hunches are never wrong. Whatever that officer is here for, you don't want any part in it. Glancing around, you weigh your options. You decide to creep towards Amelia and Officer Powell, positioning yourself behind a stack of items that are waiting for the porter. Neither of them seem to notice you as they rush past your hiding place, giving you a clear line to the door. Alternatively, now might be a good time to explore the house. While there, while there is risk of discovery, it's not as if you have anything to lose by snooping around somewhere you weren't supposed to be. For a brief moment... <laughs> well, I, that sounds wrong... <laughs> For a brief moment, your gaze wanders to the staircase opposite the entryway. The bedrooms and study are likely up there, and you might be able to find some valuable information. So, Josh, Professor Holcomb, do you attempt to make your escape, or do you explore upstairs? In for a penny, in for a pound. Let's let's go snooping around this widow's house. <laughs> okay. I'm a good guy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You turn your attention to the set of stairs opposite the entrance. You ascend the staircase and see two doors, one to either side of you. The door to your left is slightly ajar and no doubt leads to the bedroom. By a process of elimination, the door to your right must lead to the study. It seems to be locked and you don't have a key. With enough time, you might be able to get the door open, but it would probably be unwise to spend too long trying since someone may come to investigate. So, do you enter the bedroom? Do you enter the study by attempting to make a locksmith check? Those are your options. Those are the two <laughs> options. I thought there was a third option. Yeah, there is a third uh, well, entry, but it's not It's not an option. Well, my locksmith score is 1%, so I guess we're going into the boudoir. Yeah, we are. You push the door aside <laughs> and enter the bedroom. The room is lavishly decorated and very feminine. Large, soft pillows. Sit. I just want to stop for a second, right? This is the second time you've done a choose-your-own-adventure, and I'm pretty sure in the first time you ended up in like a lavish bedroom as well. It's just, uh, it's remarkable how often I get into these situations. <laughs> Nothing ever comes of it, though. <laughs> so, large, soft pillows sit atop the bed, and a tangle of sheets and blankets lie strewn across the mattress. Judging by the state of the room, this space belonged more to Amelia than it did to Professor Harris, even before his death. The room is dominated by her personal effects. A makeup case sits on the dresser, with a hand mirror beside it. The door to the closet is open, and racks inside overflow with various dresses and fashionable outfits. The clothes belonging to the late Professor Harris take up a small and innocuous corner of the closet, pushed far to the side so as not to get in the way of Amelia's things. The most surprising find you stumble upon is a small pile of discarded men's clothing next to the bed. It seems to have been left there recently, 
And given the difference in style and size to the men's clothes in the closet, it's pretty clear that these don't belong to Professor Harris. <gasps> oh. Your suspicion is confirmed when you see a photograph of Joshua on the nightstand. There's also a half-empty bottle of whiskey there with two glasses sitting next to it. You also happen to notice a safe built into the wall just behind the nightstand. A combination lock keeps it sealed, though if you were inclined, you may be able to crack it. There's little else of interest in the room. Do you attempt to open the safe with a lockpick, a locksmith roll, or do you leave the room? Um, I, I'm going to take a swig of the whiskey and then I'm going to leave the room. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> you turn around and leave the door closed behind you. Looking down the stairs, you realize you're not alone. Dominating the entryway is Joshua, red-faced and furious. He has a gun in his right hand, which he Jesus quickly Christ, aims in your this direction. This guy's so trigger-happy. <laughs> you have just a second to hit the ground before he pulls the trigger. Perhaps your reflexes are fast enough. Josh. Oh, no. <laughs> I need you to make a dodge roll. So this is half of my decks of... 50, so I need to roll a 25. 23! 23 is a pass. Oh. <laughs> Matrix style. Like, lean back. Yeah. Uh, so you succeeded on the dodge roll. Okay. Lucky for you. You throw yourself to the floor with all haste, trying to get out of the line of fire. You hear the loud sound of a gunshot as the bullet embeds itself into the wall behind you. You hear a squeal as Amelia comes running after Joshua, begging him to stop shooting and put the gun away. He curses and shoves her aside, but he does holster his weapon. He rushes past her and up the stairs, just as you stumble to your feet. He comes at you, swinging his fist. It's not ideal, but at least with the gun put away, you have a fighting chance. I need you to make a fighting brawl roll. Okay. All right. All right. Let's have a crack at this. Uh, oh, okay. My skip, my rank in that is 45. I rolled a 49 there, so I'm going to spend four points of luck to equal the 45. Okay. Another four points of luck are gone. Your luck is running out, my friend. But you did succeed on your fighting brawl roll, so let's go to the entry for that. The Adventures of the Young Professor. Younger. As Joshua, as Joshua towers over you, fist raised in rage, an idea crosses your mind. You pull both of your feet up and drive them into his chest. You kick him back with all your might, sending him tumbling down the stairs. You hear several thumps and thuds as Joshua rolls down the stairs. When he reaches the killed? bottom, have I killed this guy? <laughs> when he reaches the bottom, he lays there, sprawled out and clearly injured. His groans betray his semi-conscious state, and you walk over to him confidently. With one final kick, you send him over the edge into unconsciousness. Amelia is mortified at the sight. She runs out into the street, fleeing the scene. You quickly search Joshua's pockets and find his wallet, which includes his identification. <laughs> His ad with an address, a search of his other pocket reveals a house key. Several options are immediately apparent. You could continue searching this house, leave in pursuit of Amelia, 
or make your way to Joshua's home. Well, <laughs> I mean, you've already robbed the guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's escalated. I, I mean, I feel like they're not the only three options available to me, really. Um, I mean, I there's there's a part of me that wants to keep trying to search this home, but. I don't think I'm going to be able to find anything else. The, the study's locked, so uh, unless this... The, presumably, the keys on Joshua are for his own house. You certainly so, could presume that. It's a house key. I will... Right, okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to go after Amelia. Yeah, go after Amelia. I just want to straighten things out. I was looking for the bathroom. I was looking for the bathroom, and then that fella shows up and points a gun at me. Right? You chase after Amelia Harris. She's vanished into the mist, but you're determined to find her. But determination alone is not enough to track down a wayward widow. Ah, We all know that feeling. After wandering through the fog for what feels like hours, you're certain that you are lost. After trying to get your bearings for some time, you finally find yourself outside the hotel, frustrated that Amelia has managed to escape you. You pause outside the hotel doorway, listening for the sounds of footsteps. The streets are eerily still and nearly silent. You fancy you hear some something and set off in the direction of the sounds. You wander the streets for what feels like hours. Your suspicions are seemingly confirmed as it gets harder and harder to see. The lack of visibility caused by the mist compounded by the fading light. Dusk falls hard and fast and you're left roaming the streets in darkness. As you contemplate abandoning your task, you tense up and freeze as you hear a nauseating squelching sound suddenly begin behind you. Ew. A sense of terror washes over you as the unexpected sound breaks the silence. You're ruled by a sense of unease and are driven to run, though you don't know why. Yet you do not wish to find out. I need for you, Professor, to make me a dex roll. Just flat dexterity. Just flat dexterity. It's 50-50. Mmm, 66. 66. I want to spend more luck because this seems like a very important one to get right. (laughs) Okay, so you're spending 16 points of luck. So that's me down to 30. 30 luck already. Okay, your luck is definitely running out, sir. But you do succeed at that dex roll. So let's see what happens. You quickly duck into the hotel, avoiding whoever or whatever else is out there. You pause for a few moments to gather your thoughts. Darkness has come, and your job is not yet done. With perseverance, you may yet finish your task. The most obvious choice is to resume the investigation. Another course of action is to simply cut your losses and leave. You could try to abandon Esbury on foot, and you must admit that the idea is tempting despite being wholly impractical. This place has not been good to you. Of course... You could always simply sleep on it, stay another night in the hotel, and hope to continue your work and move on in the morning. You aren't certain why, but you feel a vague sense of unease at the idea of spending a second night here. You try to push that thought from your mind as you come to a firm decision. So, Josh, Professor Holcomb, do you stay another night in the hotel? Do you attempt to leave in the dead of night, or do you continue the investigation? I, I am going to call it a night, I think. You're going to like, stay a I night in the hotel? I think this is going to be difficult at night. 
with thick fog and a squelching beast hunting me. Okay. So I'm going to try and stick to daylight as much as possible. Okay. You decide to put your misgivings aside and simply get some rest so that you can try again in the morning. You tidy away your things and head off to bed. You lock the door of your room, just to be safe. You toss and turn, gaining an hour or two of uneasy sleep. But in the middle of the night, you're awakened by the most terrible sounds. Somewhere in the fog-shrouded town, people are screaming, frightened, blood-curdling howls of abject terror. Instinctively, you rush to the window to try to figure out what the cause might be, so you're prepared for it. You stare out and see only blackness and mist. You nervously turn back to the room, assuring yourself that you're safe in here and whatever is causing the screams can't be anywhere close by. You're only able to foist this lie upon yourself for a moment because as you anxiously pace your room, you see water seeping in beneath the door. The implications of this are not lost on you. Your room is on a second floor of the building. The rest of Esbury must be thoroughly flooded by now. With the first floor inundated and the water level in your room swiftly rising, you find yourself trapped. Your only method of egress is the window, which leads out into the flooded, dark and hazy streets. You don't much like the prospect of venturing out into the sunken town, but you have little choice. You turn again to the window and undo the latch with shaky hands. You're about to lift the window open when three green-fingered webbed hand no sorry when a green three-fingered webbed hand smacks against the pane you jump back with a start overcome by panic this is nothing natural of that you're sure as you stare (laughs) in horror more of the unnatural form comes into view a second hand trying to force the window open along with the first and a face a terrible unearthly face dominated by pouting flabby lips and bulbous dead eyes these eyes stare at you taking you in as a mere fixture amongst the surroundings you stare back at the creature as the water rises around your ankles the thing pounds against the window and you see cracks beginning to form you freeze in terror knowing it will be upon you soon enough surprisingly the glass holds as the water fills the room it does not give until the water reaches your chest with a sharp crash the glass breaks and the bloated and misshapen thing squeezes into the room with you. It is slow and lumbering, but try as you might, you cannot fight it. Although you manage to land a blow or two against its soft flesh, your horror overcomes your senses. It lays hands on you and shoves you down beneath the rising water and holds you there until your breathing stops. You have drowned. Yay! <laughs> Death by Innsmouth. <laughs> so, as <Wow>. predicted, you <laughs> died. <laughs> pretty swift, uh, pretty swift end as well. I don't feel like I did anything particularly stupid during that. I think, I think the decision to stay in in the hotel was your 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 foolish decision because it said you had a sense of unease about it. Right. That to me was the the module, the GM, whatever you want to call it, sort mm-hmm. of going, don't make this choice. And you right. made this choice. Yeah, been a while since I've played any uh, choose-your-own-adventure games, so uh, should have picked up on that. <laughs> so, short and sweet, but quite enjoyable. How did you find it? It's cool. Like It's very atmospheric. Um, 
I kind of... There's a part of me that wants to have another crack at some of this as well. Would you uh, like pi- to rewind? Or would you like to have a go at it in your own time? I think I'm going to pick this up separately and have a go at it in my own time. Okay. Uh, plus, we're not spoiling too much of it for the dear listener either. That's that's so. true. So if you enjoyed that little uh, that little tidbit that you got to listen to, uh, the, the sort of half an hour of me and Josh... Uh, you can go now and pick up Alone Against the Tide for yourself or for someone else as a Christmas present uh, and uh, and let them enjoy the uh, aquatic horrors within and kick a man down the stairs and nearly kill him. Yeah, delightful. Uh, Thanks for running that. That was cool. Oh, it was really good fun. We could maybe at a a later date have a go at some of the other ones as well. I really want to have a crack at them. Yeah, they sound sound really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, uh, do, do you want to sign us out seeing as though you signed us in? Sure. Sure, sure. So, uh, that's all from us here at Unlucky Frog. Thank you for joining us. Sweet dreams. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.